APU. American Public University is proud to present Leading Forward. Welcome to this podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Hedgepath. Today, we're going to be chatting about how to write the college paper for that first-time college student. Uh, today, my guest is Dr. Robert Gordon, who is an author and professor at American Public University. He has really a lot of years' experience in writing and lecturing and talking about improvements in education and how to write that paper. He's an academic expert in supply chain management, logistics, reverse logistics, government contracting, and military management. Robert, welcome to our discussion today, and, and thanks for joining me. Hello, and thank you. You know, I appreciate this opportunity. I've been an educator for a lot of years now, uh, taught at a number of different universities in the United States as well as in Europe. I had the fortunate ability to travel for work in supply chain, so I've seen a lot of different places. And I think that this whole concept of returning to school and this fear of writing papers is pretty much something universal. So I feel that this is a great topic, and it's something that we really can go through and discuss and help a lot of people with. Okay. Well, I've got a couple of questions I'll ask you. The first question is kind of a general one, but it's very important. How do you start out with a student who shows a real fear of writing a college paper. They're really afraid, and it, and it may be their first ever college paper. Well, I kind of try to, to, again, you know, I've taught on ground and online, so I'll talk about both situations because I feel that both are applicable. Many times a student will approach you uh, during a break or before or after class and express a concern and anxiety over writing this paper, and, and I always tell them, it's not going to be perfect the first time uh, to encourage them to make the attempt. The biggest thing is to start and to do it because once they have something, I can critique it and help them along. But if there's nothing, it's very hard to get going. I know at American Public University, there's a lot of resources available online to help teach people how to write. But it's really that self-motivation and internal thing that they have to kind of do. Online, I'll often get an email that tells me about different situations and problems in their life, and they'll mention this is the first time. So a lot of times there's a lot of encouraging words that you have to pass along and understand their circumstance and offer them tools. I find that offering them videos online about writing often is, is also a good way because I know that a lot of times going into a library, either online or on ground, can be a little intimidating, but watching a little clip or some kind of video helping people is really a useful tool to get them started. You mentioned that you've taught people how to write, you know, who are online students, as well as uh, those who are, you know, face-to-face. -face. As you mentioned it, is there a difference in how you approach somebody who's coming in your college office or in a the classroom there, physical versus the online? What, what is the big difference here between the two as you try to advise them? What's that big difference? That big difference is on ground and when you're face to face, you could read the body language of the person and get a feel for what's really bothering them. Because you could then start asking some questions and ask them, is it this you're afraid of writing? Is it the fear of not getting it right? Is it the fear of, of not being good enough? And in that way, you know, you kind of can hone into what they need the support in. You know, some students just need a little bit of encouragement. Some students need, hey, we need you to kind of take a look at this and watch this video, read this article, or take a look at a sample paper. 
Online is a little harder because now you're going to have to kind of discern from the email and sometimes read between the lines and, and then get them the resources they need. You kind of have to take your best guess. But in those cases online, I have a healthier dose of encouragement because in the end, they've got to do it. When you're face-to-face, -face, you can kind of get the feeling if they're going to do it or not by the end of the discussion. You can offer your help. Another thing is I try to give people like a, a no-risk situation where it's like, okay, do your best, turn it in. We'll give you the rewrite, two rewrites, three rewrites, whatever it takes to get you through. But then once you get to that point where, okay, this is a college-level paper, then I'll grade it. I want the student to be successful. So in doing that, you kind of have to take some of the risk out because they feel, oh my God, I'm going to fail the first three papers and there's only four in the class. So how am I ever going to make it? No, no. On the first one, we'll go through it and be an iterative process to kind of go through it a few times. And then you'll get to a point where you are acceptable and then go on from there. You bring back some interesting history of my system. I remember my first year in college, my first English class, and I wrote my paper and uh, turned it in, and I was like, wow, this is cool. I know how to write. I just got out of high school, you know? And teacher comes back and gives me that paper with a big F on it. I was scared to death. I figured I'm too stupid to be in college, and I was about ready to drop out. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was too scared to ask the teacher, what do I do? How do you convince them and like to stay around? How do you convince them to stay around online? Okay, online, you encourage them and you give them the opportunity to rewrite. You know, I find if they misunderstood the prompt, then it's like, okay, let's get them refocused and explain to them, okay, you're supposed to write about this, not that. You misinterpreted what was said or what was in the assignment and then give them a chance. I often can then also give them feedback on the paper and say, oh, this is poor grammar. You need to be a little bit more formal. You need to do your citations. Here's a sample paper. And give them some footnotes and help on that because then when they go to rewrite it, they're gonna already have some feedback, even if it's on the wrong topic and say, look, just write it again. You know, I find, for example, you know, as you've mentioned, I, I teach in government contracting and, and supply chain. I often get this, there's a class that talks about government contracting and acquisition. And regardless of how many times I tell the students, I will get a paper on mergers and acquisitions in the business world. And I try to tell them that's not quite what I was looking for, but, you know, and then ask them to rewrite it and, and all that. But sometimes they lock in on something and misunderstand and then run with it. <laughs> Do you talk to them by email? or telephone or visual? How do you communicate with them, especially the ones that like, oh, I'm having so much trouble and the ones you just explained? How do you, what methods do you use to get that message across to them? I always meet them in the media they approach me in because I find that that's going to be the one they're comfortable with, be it email, text. Sometimes they'll email, ask for a face-to-face -face or, or a call. And then that's how I meet with them. Now, if I start finding that I'm not reaching them or they're having more trouble, then I might say, okay, let's do something online where I can share some documents and resources with you. They don't have to have their camera on or anything, but I at least want to be able to walk them through it. Because sometimes, particularly when it comes to writing, it doesn't help to tell someone to write better. 
that really isn't the right message. You got to give them some encouragement and examples. And sometimes it's hard to give a lot of examples in an email. And sometimes having that verbal connection is also helpful for the student. They go, oh, there is a real person like who's teaching this class. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of fears there. What do you think is the most common fear? It's the fear of that F. And you're no different than anyone else. When you got that first F in the beginning, you were like so afraid and you wanted to quit. And that's exactly what people have. And they haven't even turned in the paper and they're already telling me I'm going to fail because I can't do this. I'm like, uh, you posted in the classroom, you seem to know the topic. So how is it possible that you're going to go and do something and fail? So it's, it's that fear of the F, the fear of failure, because here's the psychology that I've learned about it over time. If you don't try, you don't fail. So people become conditioned not to try because if you try and fail, that's a horrible feeling. But if you don't try and don't fail, you don't feel so bad. Now you'll regret things because now you won't have that college degree. You won't have that experience. You won't have that confidence. But sometimes people are willing to live with that regret. Hmm. Interesting, okay. That experience, it goes all the way back to my college days. You're right. There was a fear of failure there. I was a young young man. I was about 21 or 22 years old. What is the average age range of these students you're dealing with? If I recall, it's in the late 20s to early 30s in the undergraduate and late 30s to early 40s for the graduate. As we were talking about it, this fear of writing a college paper comes back even after they have a bachelor's because I've had master's students come in and say, oh, I haven't written something academically in 10, 20 years, and they're just as afraid as that person fresh out of high school because they somehow think that this skill disappeared in their life or they never had it. Okay. What about their background? What kind of background for your students that you've dealt with? Uh, military, civilian? What, what is the majority of the background of the students you're talking about? A lot of military and a lot of times the military students are the ones that get a little more scared because they somehow forgotten that they were a civilian before they were in the military and they had to live a civilian life because now they're in the military. And so anything that's civilian, meaning academically writing a paper, is now harder than it was. So that's what I see. And, and sometimes, you know, civilians can be just as fearful just given time. For example, I know I had concern because I finished my bachelor's and then it was 10 years before I went back to get my master's. So there was quite a gap there, but I was determined to get that degree. So I did what I had to do. Today, my guest is Dr. Robert Gordon. We've been talking about how to teach students to write their first college paper. We'll be right back. At American Public University, we believe quality education must be more affordable. That's why, as a leader in online higher education, we focus on minimizing costs and maximizing return on learner investment. And we believe higher education must be more accessible. So our online programs start every month. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. Robert, good to have you here talking about writing college papers. Welcome back. So that background makes a difference in how you approach teaching on writing? Sometimes because in the military, it's easier to tell the military student, oh, no, no, you have to do this. There's no option because they're used to following orders of the superior officer. 
And so sometimes I tell them, well, it's, it's not an option. You have to do this. I expect it. You have to do it. If it's not great, we'll fix it and we'll work on it. Sometimes with civilians, they get a little more nervous and, and they're not used to that. So that requires a little bit more support and encouragement to say, look, we'll get through this together. And it's something that we can accomplish. So don't panic too much about it. And again, like I said, giving people the opportunity where they won't fail that first paper. For example, if you know someone's like that, that when you give them feedback, just give them feedback and tell them to rewrite the paper. Don't give them a grade because I don't want to turn people off. Now, sometimes they'll ask you, okay, professor, if this was my paper, what would you have given it? And I'll tell them. Now, on this discussion, you obviously are an expert at helping the students, and uh, you've given us some good advice on what you do. But uh, I'm thinking about the people who are listening to us today, and I think the majority of people listening are teachers. And we've got teachers who've been teaching 10, 20 years, and we've got teachers who are coming in for the first time, and they're kind of afraid. If you were to train the teacher— you're standing in front of the classroom of teachers, all of us. What would you tell those new teachers about what's going to happen to them? They're going to have papers that are due, and we're going to wind up with students that we've just discussed. How would you advise them to go about doing their job as a teacher? I would tell them as a teacher to help with these new writers, give them encouragement, give them support, give them tools. All these things are important. Supports probably the number one. And strangely enough, the tools are actually uh, probably at the bottom of the list. The other thing that I feel is important to explain to them is that many times writing is a series of edits and updates. And so a new teacher has to understand that, okay, they get a paper. And if the student isn't experienced enough to know they should go back and edit it and rewrite it and then kind of massage it over. Many students make the mistake is, oh, my God, I've got to write this paper. I'm going to write this paper. They write this paper all the way through. They put that last period at the end and they turn it in. They push the button, turn it in, hand it into the teacher as fast as they can because they're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I got it done. But if you don't go back and edit it, that's really missing a huge opportunity as an instructor, but also as to when you instruct students. Because I myself, when I was actually looking at writing and expanding my writing skills, I back in the day, I, I know you remember, Oliver, back in these days, people would actually handwrite and edit things. And so what I did was I, I went on a quest to find a lot of the original manuscripts of a lot of the great American writers. And so what I would do is I'd travel. I went to places to see the actual documents that the writers would do, because I wanted to see how well they wrote to start. Hemingway's a great writer, but did he just like do this like on a weekend on the back of a napkin and he just turned it in? Because that's what people think the great writers are. So I went back and I looked at some of his stuff and I saw all these edits and changes and, and other people, for example, Grant wrote his autobiography and that was a series of huge edits. And I, I remember reading about that whole process for him and how he drove his publisher crazy because he kept changing things. But the publisher did say, yeah, he changed it, but it got better. <laughs> so that's one of those lessons that I think that instructors need to have that remember to impart upon students, not only the encouragement, the skills, but the fact that you have to edit and, and revisit it and work on it multiple times. 
Yeah, your students do need to do that. And that's good advice also to give those teachers who are listening about uh, having to you know, prepare and, and maybe tell different stories. Is that what you do? Also, you, t- you advise them instead of, say, advise our teachers to say, instead of just reading the AP manual, you know, an inch long, inch thick document, how would you advise these teachers to teach them how to do citations and references, for example? It's easy to just say, okay, student, go read this book. And I know, and you probably know that those students aren't going to read a 50-page or 100-page book on how to do writing. How would you advise these teachers to encourage them to do citations and references, which is one of the biggest problems I've seen. With citations and references, that kind of falls in the classification of what I consider skills. And I find that there are examples and tools are, are the best way to do it. Basically, show the student exactly how it should be done. Show them the reference, the detail. The other element that you were kind of referring to uh, with instructors was that how else do they engage the student? You know, it's, it's easy to point to the tools and the references and give them examples. But I find if you really want to get to them, and, and you alluded it to there with the storytelling. And I remember I did some research when you're doing a presentation, be it an instructor or, you know, in front of a, a classroom or in front of an auditorium of any topic. If you aren't injecting a story every five to eight minutes, you're losing your audience. Even though they may be interested in the material, they want to hear the story. And so often I will default to my own personal experience as a writer and my journey as a writer because I can speak to it, I can be passionate about it, and then give very specific details about it. So that's helpful, and I would encourage instructors to do the same. Find personal examples or examples of, of what they have done so they can speak passionately and convincingly of it. Because in the end, if you can speak passionately and convincing about it, you're really going to capture the student's attention. You're going to hold their attention, and they'll remember the story. And and again, if the story leads up to better referencing and citations, they're more likely to remember that. And I've had people come to me years after I did a presentation and they'll mention something I, I put in there about an example about my children or about what I did in my travels. And people remember that story and the topic. So it can have a very long lasting effect when you combine them. Wow. Robert, these are really great ideas and concepts to think about. I really want to thank you for joining me today on this exciting topic. This, you know, We could talk about it for days, but we really just need to talk about the key things. And that's what I want our professors to hear and those students who I hope are hearing this as well and uh, about how to write. And uh, do you have any last words you'd like to leave for our listeners as students and listeners as professors? As students, I'd like to encourage all of you to just write. Just start. Starting's the hardest part because in the end, as I've learned about other authors, it's that journey that you need to take when you write something. You write a piece and and you can make it better and you can always make it better. And and, and this was a, a word of advice from my uh, doctoral dissertation chair. He told me, you know, Robert, you know, your dissertation's not going to be your best work. Your best work's going to come after. And, and I thought that was kind of strange because I thought, wow, I'm working so hard to get this dissertation done. But then I realized he was right because I looked back on my dissertation, I don't know, a few years back and just to see. And I was like, oh, my God, I could have written it so much better. I was kind of embarrassed at the time. I was so proud of this thing thinking, oh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And now I look at it and I go, oh, my God, I should have did this. I should have did that. And, and, and 
totally understand where he was coming from. He's like, once you become that academic and a writer, you're going to write and it's just going to get better and you're going to do better work. One final piece of advice for that teacher who's teaching my first course or my first year here online. Ooh, what's that final piece of advice you give that first teacher? Never let on that this is your first class or your first teaching. If people ask you if you've taught before, just say a while. They don't need to know five minutes has been your while. Because if they show confidence, it's easier for a student to become confident because now they're going, oh, this person who's knowledgeable and confident believes in me. Then they go, ah, I can do it then because this person believes in me and, and they know I can do it. The big thing there in academia, I really feel is more encouragement than anything else because it is so difficult and say larger classes. How are you going to motivate everyone? And trying to teach everyone at their level is very hard. And so you can encourage top students and you can encourage students that are struggling and it'll help them both and it'll get them to the finish line. Wow, that's really good talking about the encouragement. I'd like to thank you, Robert, and I'd like to thank our listeners, students and professors who are listening and joining us. Please stay tuned and stay well. And again, thank you for listening. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.